Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. It's great to see you all here this morning. Please take your seats. The last few weeks, I know we had guest speakers last week, but the last few weeks we've been looking at the gospel uh, of Matthew, and I've been preaching from the gospel of Matthew chapter 4, and um, there's a number number of things that we've been uh, looking at. The first week I I looked at how Jesus was baptized in the early part of uh, Matthew chapter 4, and then he was taken out into the wilderness uh, for during a time of temptation for 40 days and 40 nights where he fasted and prayed, and he overcame the enemy, he overcame the devil by the word of his testimony, as in he quoted the Scripture, he quoted the Word of God back. The devil tried to twist the Bible and twist the Scriptures, twist the Torah, and twist everything against him, but Jesus came back with a word. He was like, right back at you, Satan. That's me paraphrasing. He didn't actually say that, but he came right back at him with a word, with a, quote, with, with a written word, and it was incredibly powerful. We then looked at, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at um, how Jesus preached in Galilee against a background of history uh, that would make any preacher not want to go there uh, because of the, the, the names, the location, the history, what it meant. But Jesus went anyway, and I love that about his, Jesus, and, and obviously his preaching as well. He went into a situation that was perceived as very, very difficult, but he went anyway, which is tremendous boldness. So today, we're going we're to look at uh, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verse 18 through 22, and it's, it's the calling of the disciples where uh, I, I was going to call this fish and chaps, okay, fish and chaps this morning, but I just thought it doesn't work because I don't have a posh London accent. If I was to say fish and chaps, you think of people, of chaps that would follow Jesus. But in Scotland, when you say fish and chaps, you you think of chips, or you think of chaps, games up the poly, or let's have a break from this at the moment. So I'm going to refrain from calling it fish and chaps. So I've got another title for the sermon this morning, and the title is called Divine Interruptions. I, I could tell you love divine interruptions in your life, but we're going we're gonna to be looking at divine interruptions here th- th- this morning and, and how Jesus interrupted some people's lives. Let's, let's look at the Bible verses, and it says here, when, when Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, somebody say two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Somebody say fishermen. Can somebody say it with like a, you know, in Cornwall, they go, oh, fishermen. Can somebody say it with a Cornwall accent? Say fishermen. Uh, fishermen, that was good. That was good. It wasn't you. It was someone else. So I need my glasses on. I was, I was calling out the wrong person there. Forgive me. So uh, where was that? They were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. Somebody say, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee. Somebody say Zebedee. 
What did you hear in your head when you said Zebedee? <laughs> Doing. Okay, Zebedee. <laughs> their father, mending their nets, he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their fa father, and they followed him. Oh my gosh, this sounds incredibly dramatic. This fellow who claims to be the Messiah walks up to these guys and says, come and follow me. And they're like, all right, all right, no bother. And they go off and follow him. But I want to just give you a little bit of background to what actually happened. Because in the Gospel of John, it says that Andrew first heard about Jesus. Then he galloped on his way and he, and he, and he told Peter about Jesus. So there's a bit of background here where there's, there's probably quite a bit of time taken uh, between uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist's ministry had gone gigantic. He was in revival. There was no tents. The tents weren't big enough. Even today, the tents wouldn't be big enough. There was tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people gathered, and they would come and hear John preach over a season, over uh, uh, so many months, and he'd preach and preach a, a message of repentance. Then eventually Jesus comes, who he says, I'm not worthy of you know, tying the sandals of this man. But what happens next is they, they, they've heard about Jesus. So suddenly they're aware the Messiah has come. The Messiah has been baptized. He's going down Galilee preaching. Andrew has heard him preach. And suddenly there comes a moment. It, it, it's not just a suddenly where it's like, oh, yeah, we'll go and follow him. There's been consideration because Jesus is having a huge impact where he's preaching about the kingdom of God. And Jesus does a, a ridiculous thing in the cultural context of the time. Do you want to hear why? Yeah, okay, I'll tell you why. So here's why. Because he didn't go, he didn't go to the courts of Herod and look for the brightest buttons in the Roman Empire. He didn't go to Jerusalem and look for the finest pharisaical teachers. He went to the, the shores of Galilee and called up four fishermen. Why the heck did he call four fishermen? I'll tell you why. Do you want me to tell you why? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus did exactly what the Father wanted him to do. And the Father knew above everything else who were the right people to be his disciples. In the book of Acts, it talks about when James and John and uh, some of the guys, were some of the, the twelve were taken before the Sanhedrin. And it, and it says that these men, they marked them as uneducated men, but they weren't uneducated. They weren't educated in the Torah and the law the way that they had been, but they were discipled by Jesus. So they knew the Scripture, but they were discipled by Jesus. What an awesome thing. Who wants to be, who wants a direct line? Who wants to be discipled by Jesus Christ? Is it possible today? Of course it is, but we need influencers in our life as well. So what was I talking about? Fishermen were called by Jesus. And it, it, people would think, why, why would he do that? But the plan and the purpose of Jesus Christ is incredible because the man Peter and uh, Andrew and the other two guys, James and John, are, end up being part of the 12 apostles. Isn't that exciting? So Jesus knew who he was calling. Jesus knew what he was doing. Even though you look at it and you think, no, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't select him. I'd go to Jerusalem. I'd go to the council of the Sanhedrin. I'd get the finest minds. I'd get the brightest buttons. I'd maybe pop in to see Herod on the way. But he didn't. He did what the Father asked him to do. I'm going to tell you some things about fishermen. Now, number one is a giveaway. They smell of fish. Okay, but apart from smelling of fish, I want to tell you some things about fishermen that is awesome. Number one is fishermen must 
have perseverance. All fishermen must have perseverance. Who, who here has ever been fishing before? I have. I want, can I be honest with you? I, I walked off. I got so bored. <laughs> so, and I didn't have the patience to wait. I'm like, I can't be bothered with this. Just open a can of tuna fish and let's eat. So it's like they, they had perseverance and, and, and they were able to push through. Fishing provides a moment to stop. They knew how to stop. They knew how to listen. They knew how to be still. They knew how to reflect on the water. They knew how to reflect on life. They knew what it was to be in a calm surrounding. And that's the power and the influence of a fisherman. So there's something about these men that they had something about them that was inbuilt by their training as fishermen that would complement their calling to be apostles that would work with them and not against them. Because Jesus called them to be fisher of men. Fishermen need courage. There's an ancient fisherman's prayer that says, my boat is so, so small and the sea is so large, and it goes on. But fishing is a dangerous business. It's physically dangerous. Fishermen are renowned. There's so many percent of fishermen that are renowned for drowning and dying in the sea. So it's a high, high-risk business. So, so they understood what it was, what it was to, 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 to have courage, to need courage, to activate courage, to step out in courage, to have a calculated risk. They understood all that. The third thing about fishermen is they need an eye for the right moment, the right moment in time. There's a time to cast a net and there's a time not to cast a net. A wise fisherman knows that he must choose the right moment. So there's timing with a fisherman. And these men understood something about fishing where they had to get the timing right. And Jesus said, I've called you not just to be fisher of fish, but he said, I've called you to be fisher of men. Bring men and women and children into the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus said. So he knew when he was bringing in that instruction, he was drawing out the parable of fishing within them. That they didn't only know in their head as a, as a thought, they knew it in their hearts, and they knew it in their hands as well. So the manifestation of them being fishermen wasn't just a thought. It was manifest in their hands. As they thought, their hands would work. As they sensed things, their hands would work for them. So it was an extension of who they were. So Jesus knew what he was doing when he was calling these fishermen to follow him. Fishermen, number four, fishermen must keep themselves out of sight. If a fish sees the fisherman, it may not take the bait. So it's important that we're not seen. So when Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men, it's important that our personalities don't get in the way. It's important that Gordon doesn't get in the way. It's important that Bob doesn't get in the way. It's important that Sally doesn't get in the way. If I've missed your name, I, I apologize. <laughs> but it's important that you or I don't get in the way. It's important that we stay out of the way. And it's important that every time someone fishes, the key is that the fish don't see your shadow. The fish don't see your movement. The, the fish don't see these awkward jerks. The fish don't see these things. So it's important that we keep ourselves out of sight. And it's important that as we walk with the Lord and as, as we preach, as we, as we teach others, as we inspire other people, it's one of the most wonderful things that can happen to you as a preacher if somebody comes to this church 
And they say, I remember somebody once say this thing and it impacted my life. I can't remember who said it, but I remember the words. And that's the key, is make sure that you are out the way. Often human flesh says, I so want to be honored, me. I want people to remember me. I want to leave a legacy about me. But here's the thing, the Christ legacy is that people won't see you. They don't only remember the words of Christ. Come on. So it's important that we, we, we recognize that we keep ourselves out of sight and that Jesus is seen. It's absolutely important. So that's number one is the fishermen. We need to recognize the fishermen. When Jesus was calling fishermen, the background to a fisherman, what they're about, the dynamic of someone who fishes, and how it would impact them in doing ministry for Jesus Christ is a powerful thing. Let's, let's, let's look at following, following Jesus, because Jesus said, follow me. I love these words, follow me. And it's easy to read over that and say, he said, follow me, so they followed him. So they followed on their way, and it was good for them. Let's, let's, let's see what the Lord wants to do in my life. But does this have any impact or influence on us as, as, as Christian believers, as, as followers of, of Jesus Christ today? Being, being a follower of Jesus, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean going to church. It doesn't mean going to church. I'm sorry to break the bad news to the religious amongst you here this morning. It doesn't mean going to church. Going to church is part of following Jesus. If you think following Jesus is going to church, you've got a problem in your mind, in your heart, in your theology, or your philosophy. The key is going to church is part of the commitment of following Jesus Christ or being part of the church. So we don't just go to church. We are church. We all know we all know that. But the fact is, is that going to church or going to a meeting, we do it because we love him and we're following him and it's part of our commitment. So one of the hardest things to do today is to be committed and say, I will be there. You know, we, we live in a culture where, you know, if you don't feel like it, you don't go. You know, if you're feeling tired, oh, I'm a tired muffin. I can't, go, can't go to the meeting today. And it's like, guys, come on, come on. Let's, let's have some maturity. You know, let's have some maturity. If I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to be part of a church. I'm going to be there. I will be there. I'm committed. I'm pushing through. I'm going to push through the delicate Gordy muffin that manifests every so often. It just says, oh, I'm so tired. I'm hungry. Can I need to eat first, so I need to eat. Then I'll be an hour late for the meeting. No, no, no. I'm committed. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm pressing and I'm pushing through, so therefore I'm a follower. He said to follow him, and, and the word follow has a price to it that's like tough at times. So it's important that we, we, we follow Jesus as he asks us to follow him. For the first disciples, following Jesus literally meant physically leaving where they were and following him wherever he went. Peter, Andrew, James, and John all did that. And it says they immediately left. But here's the thing. How does it, how does it apply to us today? How can we follow Jesus? Because the incarnate Christ was on earth 2,000 years ago. Today we have the Holy Spirit within us, dwelling within us. Today we have the written scripture that releases the word of God every time we open it and we receive from it. Something changes and, and, and happens. So, so with us, it might be that the disciples had to leave some things behind. They had to leave behind their fishing nets 
and they had to leave behind the fish and the other chaps. They had to leave behind the fish. They had to leave behind the work. And something supernatural would take place in the disciples where all the work was about their instinct and their hands. They were masterful at pulling in these nets, putting these big nets out. They were masterful at discerning the fish in the water. So something would change where they would leave that behind. But the big change for them, it would go from their hands and it would come out their mouths. Because the calling of an apostle or a disciple is that how we speak is one of the fruits and one of the major changes in our lives when we follow Jesus Christ. How we talk will change. Some of the swear, not all of the sweaty words, not just some of them, all those sweaty words should go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So all these things should begin to go from us. So something happens to us and our language begins to change. And to be a communicator of the gospel of Jesus Christ, something drastic will change within you. And the key is how we communicate. Because God wants all of us to be able to communicate the message of Jesus Christ. And you might think, well, I could never preach like that person on the TV. I could never preach like that person you heard from a podcast. But here's the thing. As God gives you wisdom, you'll be able to speak into situations. It might not be from a platform, but might be from a platform in a coffee shop where you have one-on-one coffee with someone and you just talk to someone and you impart the kingdom of God. That's the power of the gospel. One of the greatest things I noticed when I came to faith in Christ, number one, was I stopped swearing almost instantly. Well, it took about a year. So uh, it was almost, I was on a journey. So, so it's one of, the, one of the key changes. And, and, and one of the things was there, was there was a change in how I spoke uh, because when, when I began to speak, before I was a Christian, I was very much focused on what I was up to, what I was doing. Then I suddenly had a God awareness where it was like, God, what are you saying? What do you say in your word? And I was like, oh, dang, you're saying that in the word. And that doesn't align with my life. I've got to change again. Lord, help me. And the second thing was the change was how I spoke to other people as well. And I realized that the world didn't revolve around me, but I revolved around him. And in that revolving, I had to serve and help and support and speak into other people. And I began to ask God for gifts of the Spirit and uh, began to get prophetic gifts and all that kind of stuff and began to speak into people. So some, something changes. And one, it was one of the things I've noticed with being a disciple of Jesus is that the language changes and how we speak changes. And it's not world around us. It's about him at the center and we're serving others. So it's like a completely different dynamic. It's the weirdest and most wonderful thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ. So it's important that we, we, we follow him. And following Jesus means spending time with him. The disciples got an intensive 18-month to three-year intensive training course with the Messiah. Isn't that wonderful? It was like awesome. But we can, ha- we can experience the same today, day by day, little by little. Give us this day our daily bread as we follow him. So as we're followers of Jesus Christ, something amazing can happen within us. It says in 1 Peter 3, verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. The whole purpose for which we are saved is that we might come back to God to be with him. And being with him is an awesome practice. 
I remember hearing about a book called Practicing the Presence of God and devouring it. And the whole thing with practicing the presence of God is just being in His presence, being with Jesus. And uh, as we read His Word, as we receive His Word, something incredible takes place. And our point is becoming like Him. We follow Him so we can become like Him. We can become like Jesus. And as we begin to bear the fruits of the Spirit, talks about in Galatians, as we bear the fruits of the Spirit, something incredible takes happen, takes place inside of us. Jesus also said, He said to His disciples, I will make you fishers of men. What I love about, <clears throat> what I love about when Jesus called these disciples, He didn't call them in a synagogue. He didn't call them in a church meeting. He called them in the marketplace. Isn't that wonderful? He called them on the beach. I'm thinking of going to the beach to see if he's got a new calling for me. So, so he, he called them in the marketplace. He called them in the workplace. And th there's something powerful about that. There's something powerful when Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, what you've, what, what, what you've worked as professionally will be a prophetic line. It will be a prophetic mark on your life. And what you've gleaned and understood, not just from the Scriptures, but from your life, will actually be a signpost. It'll be something that I use for my glory. It'll be something that I use to help you disciple others. I want to declare to some people here today where you have written off, you might have a former career where you've said, oh, it doesn't matter. You've parked it. You've put it in the past. But now's the time to bring the career out the box. Now it's time to preach from your career. Now it's time to preach from your work experience. And you can use them as parables to reach out, to speak into other people's lives. Nothing is wasted. You might feel like you've been wasted, but I want to tell you nothing is wasted. And as God calls you as a fisherman or a fisherwoman or a teacher or whatever it is your profession is, whatever that may be, when, as Jesus calls us to follow him, the something supernatural takes place in our lives, and we can go on to do things differently for Him and His kingdom. I love it that Jesus called the called ones, the called out ones. The word apostle means called out ones. So He called these apostles called out ones. He called them in the marketplace. I want to address you here today as called out ones, because many people think, oh, only if I do ministry or if I, I preach like Gordon or I'm full-time in a church or that kind of thing. But Jesus calls us. We are called out ones. The word apostle, the 12 apostles, capital A, called out ones. But the word apostle, small a, called out ones. We are all called out ones. He has called us out. He's called us out of darkness. He's called us out, but we're called to follow him and bring others to Jesus as well. And it will happen. Come on, as we follow him. One of the things I loved about Jesus' journey with the four fishermen is they were as rough as anything in some situations. You know, uh, Peter chopped off the ear of the guard. <laughs> and Jesus supernaturally placed the ear in it, and it was healed back on him. And, and something took place. And 50 days later, Pete is standing up preaching. And thousands of people come to know Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So something about the restoration of Christ so this, despite your roughness, I know I'm not a rough guy, but despite your roughness, I'm just kidding, despite our roughness, we're a bit rough around the edges, Jesus still calls us. And I want to tell you here today, you might have chopped a few ears off. You might have chopped a few heads off. You might have, you might, 
You might have said some things or done some things, but I want to tell you, God's call is still upon your life. You might have made mistakes. You might be like Peter, or you might be like James and John. I have it here in the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus had to rebuke his disciples. And James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven to kill some people who wouldn't take Jesus and his disciples in. So talk about rough around the edges. Jesus, should we just, you know, call down lightning because you're the Son of God and just whack them and zap them and discipline them. Just get them out of here. And Jesus, Jesus had to correct them. And he talked about his kingdom and he talked about how it's a message of love and uh, how, how he had to reach out to people. So here's the thing is that these rough men, these four rough ruffians, Scotsmen, I mean fishermen, these fishermen were rough, rough lads. But here's the thing is Jesus called them. Jesus called them. And often, often we can jump from Matthew chapter 4. We can read it and like, bam, five minutes or a couple of minutes. We're like, woof. I've just read that. But it, it's over. It's over a year or whatever time period it was. It's over a season. So this, this transformation takes place in their lives. And when we look back on the, the life of Peter or James and John or Andrew, we, we think, what the heck? What was going on? But these guys are rough fishermen. But Jesus called them. Jesus called these men, these people, in the roughness. And even in the roughy toughiness, he still used them powerfully. And that's the good news for us here today, ladies and gentlemen. You might be a rough diamond. You might be a bit rough around the edges. But here's the thing. That's who God calls. Jesus could have gone up to Jerusalem. He could have gone to different uh, temples. He could have gone to different synagogues. And he could have looked for the finest, the finest Torah teachers in the land. But he called out four fishermen. Isn't that good news? I know none of you are Pharisees today, so I know that no, no one's offended at that. But the good news is that Jesus called these fishermen, and they're called for his glory. I want to tell you here today, God calls us. It might be that God called you as a kid, and today you've been through your chopping off ear moments. You've been through your craziness. But Jesus loves us, and he loves us as his disciples, and he's still got great plans for our lives. He's still got a purpose for us. He's still got his hand upon our lives. And I love that about following Jesus. It doesn't matter how right we get it or how wrong we get it. His calling is upon us. So I'm appealing to some rough fisher people here this morning. If you don't know Jesus or if you've thought about Jesus in the past, it's time to follow him. Jesus' words, follow me, echo on today. And as we follow him today, something changes in our lives and we can, we, we can follow him for his glory. But as we change, as we follow him today, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within us and opens our eyes for his kingdom purposes. And that's the glory of the gospel. And I love it. I love it when I read about some of the people in the Old Testament, how there were rough diamonds. And I love it in the New Testament, how so many of God's followers, Christ's followers, were rough diamonds. Even Paul, he was qualified as a Pharisee. He was qualified in education. He was an intellect. He knew how to take the, the, the word apart. He knew how to take the Torah apart. But he's a rough diamond. I'll tell you why. Because he wanted to murder and kill the church. He was murderous in his threats. He hated the church. He hated Jesus. But something happened on his life where he got interrupted and God interrupted him and called him unto himself. 
And that's the power of the Holy Spirit today. You see, the disciples were called pre-death and resurrection. Then after the ascension, we see Paul's calling. And we see it on many people today where the Holy Spirit interrupts, us, interrupts our lives with dreams and visions or just by being in a church meeting. And you hear the Word of God preached and there's a blessed interruption. That's how people in prison get saved today. They hear the call of God. I've met people who've been in prison and they've hated God because of they, they, they were abused as children or someone went on that caused horrific things in their life and that's why they went on to do crimes. But what happened was they, 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 they had a dream or they had an encounter where the presence of God was so strong in the room, they reacted to the chaplain and two or three nights later, they have a dream and they wake up and they're aware of the presence of Jesus Christ. And that, that, that can happen to anybody today. That Jesus Christ is alive. And that's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ was raised from the dead. He's alive today. And when he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit on the church. And this is the wonderful news. These 12 rough diamonds, these four guys I've mentioned today, they were part of the early church. And the early church multiplied, multiplied quickly. And these 12 men, these four guys I'm talking about, went on to do great exploits for God. And through their exploits, many, many people came to know Jesus. I want to say to you today, the calling on your life is significant. No matter how insignificant you feel, I believe that God is calling us to follow him afresh today. You might have been baptized as a youngster. You might have been baptized as a child or dunked or sprinkled or whatever, but you might have been baptized as an adult, but here's the thing. God's hand is upon your life. And from the moment he said, follow me, he meant it. Even although there's been times that you've not meant it and you've walked away, Jesus, his follow me, where he asked you to follow him, is still there. His call is still upon your life. So the invitation today is to follow him afresh. God's not give up, given up on you. And the call upon your life will not evaporate. God's call upon your life is real. It's the real deal, and it's here forever. It's the choice today, how do we respond to him? And that is 100% the key. You're not responding to a preacher. You're not responding to musicians. You're responding to him, and that is the key. Let's all stand, ladies and gentlemen. I want us to invite us to respond to him. <clears throat> So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that, that, that message in, in Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22. We thank you for the example of the man that you asked to follow you on that day, 2,000 years ago approximately. And Father, we thank you that we are called this day to follow you. We, we, we might not leave fishing boats or fishing nets or fish behind, but we might have to leave some things behind in order to follow you. So Father, I pray today that every single one of us in our hearts would purpose to be followers of you, to be disciples of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just, I just, I just want us to, and I want to invite everyone to say this prayer with me. And I'm going to, I've got a, a pile of Bibles here. And these Bibles are going to be available for, for all. And, and if you don't know, if you'd like to know the Jewish Messiah, that's Jesus the Christ. Jesus Christ, if you don't know this, it means Jesus, the, it means Yeshua, 
the anointed one. It means he who's appointed and anointed to bring salvation to earth. Jesus the Christ, the simples. Jesus the Messiah. He came to save those who were lost. And uh, that's the message. It's simple. And many people are following Jesus Christ today throughout the nations of the earth. The weakest part of the kingdom of God is in Europe where it's been flooded with intellectualism, allegedly so, and atheism. But many people in Europe are now following Jesus Christ. There's great churches emerging in London, and there's also other parts of the UK, there's great churches emerging. But here's the thing, when I speak to pastors around Scotland, I'll let you into a secret, is that when I speak to them, I say, how's your church going? And they say, well, last year I had 30 people. This year I've got 50. And others I've spoken to say, I've got had 100 last year, and now it's 130. Most pastors I know are seeing the little by little in their church. Isn't that good news? So listen, I think there's secret revival going on. And when I I talked about the fishermen, how they knew how to be covert or how to be undercover or to stay in the shadows and not let their shadow be seen, I think God's doing a work in this nation that nobody knows about. The Spirit of God is up to something that none of us can control. He's the boss. He's, a, he's in charge. And he's asking many, many people today to follow him. And many people, even though we live in a climate that seems very, very anti-God and anti-Christ, Jesus is still on the throne. And here's the thing. He loves his church. His, his church, his bride is so beautiful. He loves. We are the apple of his eye. And the reason all of us here are believed by faith, some of you are already seeing this, you're seeing prosperity the soul, prosperity in business, prosperity in our is because he because of his love. He's expanding us and growing us. Many of us who are growing in the knowledge of the things of Jesus Christ, because he loves us. The reason people are going to come to faith in Jesus is because he loves his church and he wants to grow and expand his church. So this morning I want to invite people, if you don't know Jesus, we have Bibles for everyone here this morning. If you'd like to receive one, we'll give them out at the end of the meeting. So Father, I just thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you that you love us. And Father, I thank you for your great salvation, the greatest gift of all time, which is salvation through the the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. You poured out your love and you poured out yourself and you gave everything up for us so that we could be free from death sin and thank you for eternity that we can live with you and know you God so we give you praise and thanks here this morning oh Jesus oh Jesus 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 thank you Lord thank you let's worship him let's just worship him one more time and if you want to receive Jesus here this morning you can either collect the Bible then or just come to the front uh, you can do that if you want to do a fresh if you want to say Jesus I need to follow you afresh. I've been doing my own thing. Just come forward and say, Jesus, all for you, all for Jesus. I surrender. Just say that. Just say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.